I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk to you about Anchor. Anchor is brought to you by Spotify and is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It will also help you distribute your podcast across popular podcast hosting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Best of all, you can make money from your podcast on Anchor with no minimum listenership. So for those of us just starting out, this is very helpful. And do you know how much it costs to have everything you need to make a podcast in one place? 100% free. Yep, you heard me right. You can do all of this and make money for free. So if you have been thinking about starting your own podcast, now is your chance. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, I'm Yan. Hi, I'm Yvonne. Welcome to Lost and Refound Podcast. We're a podcast discussing our personal journeys as modern Asian women and sharing inspiring stories from within our community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Now let's get started. Hi, Yan. <laughs> Hi, Yvonne. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited for the month of October as we get really close to Halloween. Um, it's always been my favorite holiday. And I, I also really like candy. So knowing that candy is going on sale <laughs> just makes me a little bit happier during this fall time. Yeah, I think being both of us being true crime um, fans, this is like the month, right? To dive into true crime and dive into everything spooky, which is why we're doing true crime month or spooky well, I, I call this spooky story month, but our stories really aren't spooky. These are more true crime. And I think we pick stories um, because we feel something really strongly about the story or about the victim or about the crime. Um, I think in my first episode with Johnny Gosh, at the end, I said my second story was going to be a mystery, my favorite mystery. But then I thought about it and it just didn't, it didn't feel right. I feel like true crime is already so different from our normal content that if I throw in mystery, it's just going to be way off, right, for our audience. So I really want to do the story about Jenny Haynes, which I had mentioned in the Johnny Gosh story. And, and the reason I want to do her story, because I think, number one, this is another survival survivor story, and her story is just absolutely incredible. Number two, I look online on other podcasts, there's only two other podcasts that have talked about her story, which is very surprising being how historical her case is. And this is in Australia. So maybe that is why that we are in the States and we just don't hear a lot of stories outside of the United States. But I've known this story for about two years now because I remember watching 60 Minutes Australia documentary on this a couple of years ago. And I remember sending it to my sister-in-law, to my husband, because I was like, this lady is freaking incredible. So mm -hmm. I'm really, really excited to tell her story. Mm -hmm. And this is the case of Jenny Haynes. Um, this case is believed to be the first case in Australia and perhaps the world where a victim with dissociative identity disorder, which will refer to DID going forward because it's such a long, long name, um, basically that somebody with multiple personalities was able to testify in court um, as six different character witnesses so using her multiple personality as different character witnesses and secure a conviction i don't know if you remember in the johnny gosh case i talked about paul bonacio who you know had 
told the court what happened to Johnny and that he was part of that crime, but they dismissed him because he had multiple personality disorders. So right. they said that he could not be trusted while this woman was able to win her case using her multiple personalities because by the time she went to court, it was, I think it was 28 years after the crime. Wow. So her mind and her personalities along with her body was the crime scene. Jenny, whose abuse was so extreme and so persistent that her mind generated 2,500 distinct personalities just so she can survive through the ordeal. The abuse took place, um, took place from age of four to 11. She finally reported the case in 2009 at the age of 39. At the time, it was described as one of the worst child abuse cases in Australia history. Oh my gosh. And it's crazy because she has said when she finally met a detective who believed her, she has sent them, I think, a document that's thousands of pages detailing her entire ordeal from when she was four to 11. And after multiple agents read it, a lot of agents dropped out of the case because they couldn't handle it. That's how bad it was. Oh my yeah. gosh. But just so for everyone, you know, I'm not going to go into any details about her abuse, nor does Jenny really talk about her abuse. But this is really the story about how she survived and how she was able to be this strong, badass woman to take down her dad so many years later. Okay, but before getting the case, let's first talk about what DID is. So according to WebMD, dissociative identity disorder or DID is a severe form of dissociation, a mental process which, which produces a lack of connection in a person's thoughts, memories, feelings, actions, or sense of identity. Dissociative identity disorder is thought to stem from a combination of factors that may include trauma experienced by the person with the disorder. The dissociative aspect is thought to be a coping mechanism. The person literally shuts off or dissociates himself from a situation or experience that's too violent, traumatic, or painful to simulate with his conscious self. Research indicates that the cause of DID is likely a psychological response to interpersonal and environmental stresses, particularly during early childhood years when emotional neglect or abuse may interfere with personality development. As many as 99% of individuals who develop dissociative disorder have recognized personal histories of recurring, overpowering, and often life-threatening disturb disturbances or traumas at a sensitive developmental stage of childhood, usually before the age of six. Dissociation may also happen when there has been persistent neglect or emotional abuse, even when there has been no overt physical or sexual abuse. Findings show that in, in families where parents are frightening and unpredictable, children may become dissociative. Studies indicate DID affects about 1% of the population. So it's still generally not very well known. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody with multiple personality disorder. In fact, I never really looked into this. The only thing I've ever known about multiple personality disorder comes from horror movies. So I have always seen these people as just kind of like sick and scary, right? Because mm -hmm. always in horror movies, these people would turn and they'll come kill you. You right, know? like in Split, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this is why I felt is this is so important to talk about this case because that obviously is not the truth. On um, WebMD, as well as another documentary I watched on YouTube called um, What's Like to Live with Dissociative Identity Disorder from Med Circle on YouTube, 
that documentary and WebMD both say this can only happen to kids under the age of six. Past age of six, you cannot develop dissociative identity disorder. Interesting. In the documentary with Jenny Haynes, her psychiatrist says age of eight. So basically, six or eight basically is when you're young. Once you reach that certain point, then this does not happen anymore. Mm, right. Because during that age of development, my guess is you start developing a sense of self or you start solidifying a sense of self. Well, it's interesting. So let me look at the notes. In um, the other documentary, there's a girl named Insenia. She has 11 personalities. And this is how she describes it. She says, um, when you are born, you actually have multiple personalities. But as you grow up, you form into one personality that is you. But if a child encounters severe trauma or neglect, those personalities can split. So basically, I guess when you're young, when you're still forming those personalities, you know, I guess that's why kids, kids seem so bipolar. Like, oh, one minute are really happy, one minute are pissed off. So I guess they're just trying to identify their personalities and... I guess at that age, it's really easy to dissociate. I'm not sure, like, this is still, you know, I read a lot of things about it, but it just it's, couldn't really figure out exactly how this happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, but now let's talk about, first, let's talk about Jenny's abuse. Again, not going to any details, I'm just going to the histories of how these personalities developed. Um, but I will tell you about some of her injuries so you can get an idea of, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of abuse happened to her. So Jenny Haynes was born to Richard and Pat Haynes in Southeast London. They moved to a suburb in Sydney, Australia in 1974 when Jenny was four years old. Richard Haynes was already abusive in London, but once they moved to Australia, the abuse got worse. And that's when the sexual, and honestly, I, I would call it torture, started for a little four-year-old Jenny. He tortured Jenny on a daily basis. This is daily. There's not even one day where she got a break. It's disgusting. Yeah. But Richard wasn't only abusing Jenny physically. He was also assaulting her mentally. He told Jenny, whom, remember, was only four years old at the time, that he could read her mind. He threatened to kill her mother, brother, and sister if she even thought about abuse, let alone told them about it. I actually was talking about this with um, Sable the other night. Do you remember encyclopedias when we had like those giant encyclopedias? Yes. Did you have those? And then like I had to read through them like a book. <laughs> yes. And one of the things that used to fascinate me the most, and this is the one thing I, re- I have always remembered, was um, a picture and like a section about spontaneous combustion. Have you ever seen like pictures of that where people just spontaneous like light on fire, but only their torsos burn, like their legs and arms are there but their entire torso is burned. No, this is an encyclopedia that was explaining how that could happen. Interesting. It's not explaining this is one of the mysteries. They don't know oh. why this happens, but they have oh. several documented cases and there are pictures where it's just like the human torso guides on fire, but the, like, the person that's sitting on a chair, the chair, the legs, the arms, nothing else is on fire. Just the torso is burnt away. So the picture you just see like ashes, legs, and arms and like bed frame or like a chair. But I bring this up because Richard showed Jenny that photo. Remember, she's four years old. I saw that when I was like six and seven, stuck with me till now I'm 39 or 38. I still remember that like yesterday. She was four years old. And he told her that's what will happen to her mother and siblings if she told them about abuse. So she couldn't tell anyone. 
So the first personality Jenny developed was Symphony, a four-year-old girl. Symphony, who has remained four years old to this day, then created the rest of her 2,500 personality army, as Jenny likes to call them, in order to protect Jenny from her father. Jenny says of Symphony, Symphony did this because she loves me. She made thousands of people to live in the world, to act, to take on things she didn't want me to have to go through. And I think that's wonderful. At first, whenever Richard abused Jenny, Symphony would take over. Jenny told the BBC, she suffered every minute of dad's abuse. And when he abused me, his daughter Jenny, he was actually abusing Symphony. And as Symphony, she said, what I did was I took everything I thought that was precious about me, everything important and lovely and hid it from daddy so that when he abused me, he wasn't abusing a thinking human being. Like, remember Symphony's four, Jenny, I think was like four or five, still very young at that time. But she's already able to recognize that she needs to hide herself from her dad, like her, her soul from her dad so that the abuse doesn't touch her as a thinking human being. Like, I am so desensitized by now with the amount of true crime I have read and watched and studied. Um, so it, they don't really affect me. But this story, when I was like doing the research, I was crying the entire time. I have not heard another true crime story that has affected me as much as this story. And just from the way that Jenny speaks and the way when, if you watch a documentary, when these personalities come out and when they take over her, you see they all have their own personalities. They all have their own voice, their own mm -hmm. expressions. It's like, it's really, really amazing. Mm -hmm. Symphony also said, when dad started to abuse the little girl, meaning Jenny, I sung and, and, and that's where everything begins. I sung just little nursery rhymes and made her feel comfortable. And when he finished, I took her away. And I put her in a nice safe place with a beanbag. I would turn her so she's facing inward, then I will replace her. Like I mentioned earlier, as the abuse continued throughout Jenny's childhood, Symphony created other personalities herself to endure the abuse. Each one had a particular role. Some are her primary personalities. And actually, I think the medical term personalities is alters. So I'm going to referred to as alters going forward. So some of her primary alters are an 11-year-old boy named Judas. He's short with red hair. He wears plain gray school trousers and a bright green jumper. He always looks like he's about to speak. Volcano is a very tall and strong and clad from top to toe in black leather. He has bleach blonde hair. A rugged and strong teenage boy named Muscles who look like Billy Idol. He is tall and wears clothes which show off his strong arms. He's calm and protective. An eight-year-old boy named Ricky who wears an old gray suit. His hair is short and bright red. Linda is a tall and slender woman wearing a 1950s skirt with pink poodle applique. Her hair is in an elegant bun and she has tapered eyebrows and four-year-old symphony like I just mentioned. All of these characters are part of her primary alter army, meaning she's able to call on them over and over with specific jobs. For example, Ricky is the network protector. He is in charge of choosing which alter to face Jenny's father. Ricky absolutely despises his job because he had to be the one to choose who will be hurt by Richard Haynes. Mm. But Ricky said, I think he said this in court, it's not about the outside world at all. Sure, you have to deal with assholes like him, meaning Jenny's father, but you are doing it to protect yourself and you're doing it for love. 
An MPD, multiple personality disorder, is an act of love. It's not an act of mental illness or playing silly games pretending to be other people. You are protecting yourself. You are protecting your soul. And that's what I did. I protected our soul. And I had to put people into shit positions, but it's war. And for people with DID, they have alters outside of primary as well. Those alters are there for a very specific time or reason. So like she also have other ones who might only show up for that very specific like abuse that she endured so that she can remember. Um, Jenny described her alters as we have these people, internal people that talk and tell. And we have these internal people that provide internal therapy and support networks because the outside world has let us down not once, but on almost every turn. And she says this because during her abuse, as she got older, she had tried multiple times to, to report her abuse to a number of figures of, of authority, but mm -hmm. was either ignored or she was called a liar or they will be so shocked, should we end up comforting them afterwards? <laughs> so imagine if you, she went to a psychiatrist and tell them about, and they start crying, she had to comfort them. How the hell is that supposed to help her? I mean, it's it, the amount of strength that she had to go through and actually parent herself and raise herself is is just incredible and she did say like once she finally told her mom her mom is like her number biggest supporter now but and i don't want to shame anyone's mom because i'm not there i don't know the situation but here's the thing right later you're gonna hear jenny's body is a crime scene her body is completely fucked for the rest of her life on what her father did to her i will not believe as a mother you don't notice these things as a mother, you notice everything about your child. So okay. like, unless, like, again, we don't know anything about her mom. So I don't know, like, maybe she was also getting abused or, or what, mm -hmm. but it doesn't sound like this happened to her sister or her brother either. You know, it just seemed just her. So for me, it's just like, where is her mom? Yeah. Um, or she felt like she had to hide it. It just, at four years old, five years old. You can't, well, even if she's trying to hide it, you can see if your daughter is in pain. You can see if your daughter is like, I'm sorry, if you get raped at four years old, you're not going to be walking like a normal person. Right. Every, and if, if that's happening to me every single day, like there's just no way I can believe a mother is not going to notice there's something wrong with your child. I'm not trying to bash her. I'm a mother, so I get very upset when I think about this, right? Because... Mm -hmm. If I notice there's anything different with my children, I'm going to ask them. Right. Even if I suspect that they're getting abused by, let's say, by Sable. And I love Sable so much, you know, I will mm -hmm. fucking leave him in a second. In fact, I will, he knows, I will chop his dick off and make him eat it. I told him several <laughs> times. <laughs> there are a few things I won't take from him. <laughs> or any kind of abuse. And if we touch our children. <laughs> right. And you, I mean, Yan's an amazing mom, guys. So that's the end. She is definitely, um, you're incredibly protective. And I, and I wish Jenny had that. I wish she had someone like you in her life. But I think like, like most moms I know, most decent moms I know would do that for their children, you know, would protect their children at all costs. That's just like, that's supposed to be built in your nature. Like she said, her mom now is her biggest supporter. So I'm glad they have that relationship, you know? And then mm -hmm. I get, again, I don't know what was happening in her house. So I can only speak on how I feel, but you know, for all we know, her mom might be getting, you know, the shit beat on her every single day too. Just no one else know either. Right. I mean, and I'm, and I'm glad that people are now listening to victims now, um, instead yes. of, you, you know, disregarding it, like as, 
as you know, it seems like her, her story was that's, that's crazy that someone as like, why would you, why would a child lie about that? It, that's exactly. just the, the biggest question to me. I'm like, how did we, how did society ever, ever not trust children? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's like different levels of personality in children for sure. But um, what if by, it seems like her personality and just her demeanor, she doesn't seem like the type of person to lie. And yeah. I'm really glad that she- And actually like, yeah, children tell why lies. So they're trying to test their boundaries. Children sure. don't tell lies about being abused at home. That's very different, especially like sexual abuse. What, like, what kids don't come up to you and, and tell a lie about being sexually abused at home? And on top of that, that kind of stuff is so easy to tell. You can take her doctor and the doctor can tell you if it's true or not. Right. But the well, fact is no one even tried. That's actually a really good question because at four, five, regardless, like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you're going to a doctor, right? Well, like getting shots. Well, she wasn't allowed to see a doctor. Interesting. And which I'm going to talk about later too. And that's part of why her body is a crime scene. The Haynes moved back to UK when Jenny was 11 years old. And that's when Jenny's mother divorced her father and he was no longer in her life. Mm. So the, the abuse stopped at 11, but the damage was done. At that point, Jenny had endured torture every single day of her life for seven years. The most formative years of your life, you were tortured every single day by your father. Like I said earlier, Jenny doesn't go into the details of her abuse. But aside from Jenny's mind as evidence, like I said, Jenny's body was also evidence to the years of torture that she endured. Her, her, her father had refused medical care for Jenny as a child. And now she has irreparable damage to her eyesight, jaw, bowel, anus, and her tailbone. In fact, the inside of her body was so badly damaged, doctors were forced to perform a colostomy in 2011. And now she has to wear a colostomy bag that needs to be emptied up to five times a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jenny also has calcified ligaments in her jaw from her father's repeated sexual abuse. Jenny loves food, but now she lives in constant fear that opening her mouth too wide could cause her jaws to lock, leaving her with the only option of breaking her own jaw just to close it again. Jenny has also expressed how much she wanted children. She truly wanted to have her own family to love. She says since she was a little girl, that is what she has always wanted the most. But her father also robbed her of that because due to the sexual abuse, Jenny can no longer have children. And remember, all of this took place before she turned 11. So this was not just abuse. This was true, truly torture. And Jenny reported her father when she was 39 years old. That is 28 years after the abuse but her body and her mind was still the crime scene after all that time. Jenny said, my dad inflicted, choose to inflict severe sadistic violent abuse that was completely unavoidable, inescapable and life-threatening. And he chose to do this every day of my child, entire childhood. Again, this man is absolutely just really, really sick. Um, but I also want to kind of touch really quickly on something really interesting about the ID. Uh, because with Jenny, like I said, she had her primary altars, but she has other altars that were there to help with very specific like elements of abuse. Mm -hmm. And she also had altars that blocked out certain triggers like sight and smell. So the ability mm. to block smell was particular, particularly important to Jenny because she described her dad as vile, that he smelled like the worst unwashed construction worker. 
So she created personalities or alters that can block out that sense of smell. Now I want to point out not every person with DID can create personalities that can block out smell. Also the average alters for DID is around 15 for women and eight for men. And this is according to traumadissociation.com. Jenny suffers from polyfragmented dissociated identity disorder because she created over a hundred alters. So anything, anybody who creates over a hundred alters is called polyfragmented DID. Hmm. Also, according to traumadissociation.com, trauma, which is severe and long lasting, produces the most splitting, creating large numbers, fragments, and alters. Such large numbers are likely to be caused by highly organized abuse, cult abuse, ritual abuse, pedophilia rings, or other form of, of extreme sadistic abuse, which extends over long periods of time and often involves multiple perpetrators. This is only one perpetrator, just her dad. Just her dad's abuse was so severe, it caused not just 100, 2,500 personalities. People with DID can have alters um, that are both male and female. Some even have alters who are not human. Some as animals, demons, objects, or even robots. But all of Jenny's alters are human, but she does have both female and male alters in different ages. Also interestingly, there have been documented cases where the alters can have significantly different physical symptoms than their main alters, which this was like so crazy when I read this. In a Washington Post article, a German woman simply named as BT in the article suffered a traumatic accident as a young woman, which resulted in cortical blindness. Aside from that, BT also had 10 different personalities before this accident. During a therapy session, it was discovered one of her personalities was able to see, even though BT herself could not. After some more intense therapy sessions, another alter gained her vision. Her doctor believed her blindness is psychogenic, meaning it's psychologically caused rather than physical. Something happened during her accident that, that caused her body to react by cutting off her ability to see, with the exception of two of her personalities. Another case where the original alter did not have diabetes, but one of her alters tested positive for diabetes. And this just shows like how much our brains really controls our body, which is why I thought this actually really does fit into our podcast as we talk about the mind and the body so much. And this really truly shows your mind is truly super powerful. Like the things that your mind can do, like in a, in the other document with Insinia, she says she is, um, she has gluten sensitivity, but none of her other alters has gluten sensitivity. Wow. Yeah. So they're like really different people living inside of you. I was reading on that website, traumadissociates.com, and they were talking about like, there are also instances where alters want to kill the main host because they think they can take over and like be the, the only personality without realizing that they kill the main host, they will also die because the host is the body. Mm -hmm. So like it could get violent, it could get traumatic, uh, which is why seeing a psychiatrist who can understand how to help them is so important. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so now I want to talk about the strength and the badass, all inspiring woman that is Jenny Haynes. Mm -hmm. Because no one in Jenny's life has helped her, Jenny spent 18 years in university studying. She graduated with a degree in psychology, a master's in legal studies and criminal justice, and a PhD focusing on victims of crime. 
Finally, in 2009, she met Dr. George Blair West, who was the first person to believe her story. So this is not until 2009 mm -hmm. that someone believed her. Wow. Dr. Blair West said the only way you can develop DID is by being traumatized. He said there's nothing wrong with people with DID's mind. Their mind came up with a, an incredible, sophisticated solution to a scenario most of us could not begin to understand or relate to. Children who experience significant trauma prior to the age of eight, so again, he says eight, they're able to split out parts of their mind that way. The thing that pushes the mind the most is knowing there's no way out. No one's coming to save you. You're on your own and you have to come up with a solution that is entirely of your own. So you save yourself in this incredible, sophisticated way. Now, Dr. Blair West does not consider DID as an illness, rather a superpower. He says of Jenny, her first superpower is her capacity to endure pain. Her second superpower is her memory. She has a memory unlike ours. Her personalities are living in different time-space realities. What Jenny does is she can access those parts through their memories at that specific time like it was yesterday, like a memory card. And that's why her mind is a crime scene. Remember every detail she knows. It's like, we can't, I can't remember what I ate for dinner last night, but she's able to separate these different people and access their memory. That's why I say some of her personalities only have that one specific memory. That's one specific event. So it's stored like a memory card in her brain. Wow. Yeah. It's really, really, it like, this is so fascinating. Then Jenny met Sydney detective Sergeant Paul Stamoulis, whom Jenny calls God on earth because Paul has bleed her from the first moment as well. After she told him her story, he said, I don't think you're crazy at all, but what you have just told me today, MPD, multiple personality disorder, is a perfectly reasonable response. It was the first time someone in a position of power believed her and can help her. And that like, that line always makes me want to cry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just knowing like, took her so long to find somebody to help her. Right. Um, Dr. But she Blair, never gave up. She like never she gave up. And, so yeah, she and she up. put she herself trying. to school. So yes, she can, yeah, so she can fight for herself. Incredible. Dr. Blair West, Detective Stamoulis, and Jenny worked together for 10 years to bring her father to justice. In 2017, Richard Haynes was finally extradited from UK, where he had served a seven-year sentence for another crime. He had been living among Jenny's extended family, to whom he cast his daughter as a liar and manipulator. Oh my God, this piece of work. Of course he did. He's literally human feces, okay? He is literally human feces on, the, on your fucking shoes. Like, Disgusting. Oh. I don't, there's, there, there's really no redeeming this person. There's, like, no, there's absolutely, no, no, absolutely no redeeming. Even after he got convicted, he was smirking the whole time in court. People like that. In February 21, 21st, 2019, Jenny went to court with six witnesses out of her 2,500 altars. So these witnesses, remember, are her other personalities. So it's just her sitting there being six different people. And she testified for two hours. She's, this is why I call her badass. She stared at her father the entire time and said she or they, all her altars, were testifying straight to him. Richard Haynes was facing... 667 charges of rape, sodomy, indecent assault, and carnal knowledge of a child under 10. Jenny told BBC, I walked into court, I sat down, I made the oath, and then a few hours later, I got back into my body and walked out. 
four-year-old Symphony was the first to speak and gave excruciating details of the sexual abuse from Richard Haynes. Muscles then came forward and spoke about the physical abuse. Linda testified on the impact of, the, of this abuse on Jenny's education, potential, and relationships. Within just a couple hours, when Jenny and her halters only got to the year of 1974, so <laughs> this is still, they're still like four years old, like this is still when she was four years old, they haven't even gone very far into abuse. Richard Hanks started to crumble and pleaded guilty to his crimes. But it's worth to note that Richard Haynes didn't plead guilty because he was sorry. He simply didn't want all of his actions laid out for everyone to hear. Wow. In fact, like I said, he often smirked. Uh, he often maintained a smirk on his face during the trial. He knows exactly what he's doing. Like this, I mean, he... Even is... in his like mugshot, like in his the only Disgusting. shot, like a photo I can find of him in his prison junk food, he's smirking. Like, I want to wring this man's neck. Like, oh my God, the things I want to do to this man. <laughs> I mean, he, I hope, I, I hope he got his, his justice. Like, oh, oh, he, he did. Do justice. Yeah. Now, because Jenny was a child, and, child when the crime took place, she could go on the case anonymously to protect herself. But that will also mean her father will remain anonymous. But Jenny wanted the world to know it was Richard Haynes in court for the rape and torture of his daughter, Jenny Haynes, and that he goes to prison with everyone knowing exactly what he did to his own daughter. She said, I would like him to go to jail for a very, very long time, and I hope that every moment in jail is as uncomfortable and as traumatic as my childhood was. She's freaking badass. In the end, Richard Haynes pleaded guilty on 25 charges, the worst ones um, says Jenny, and then dozens more were counted towards his sentencing. On September 6, 2019, Richard Haynes, now 74, was sentenced to 45 years in jail by a Sydney court. Sentencing Judge Sarah Huguet said it was impossible for the sentence to reflect the gravity of the harm. She also said Richard Haynes will likely die in jail. His crimes were profoundly disturbing and perverted and completely abhorrent and appalling. Before the sentencing, Jenny told BBC, I passionately want my story told. I want my 10-year struggle for justice to literally have been the fire that ripped through the field so that people behind me have a much easier road. If you have MPD as a result of abuse, justice is now possible. You can go to police and tell them and be believed. Your diagnosis is no longer a barrier to justice. Jenny is now, re now reclaiming her life. She wants to travel, continue her education, and make more joyful memories. She lives with her mother, whom after learning of the abuse has become her strongest supporter in her pursuit of justice. So that's the story of Jenny Haynes. And like I said, I think she's a very strong woman. She's, you know, a badass. She's definitely um, opened the path for other uh, victims mm -hmm. with DID. However, with that said, I think we all know the justice system is not always, uh, does not always support or benefit the weak. So it's still going to be a huge uphill battle for anyone suffering from DID, just like Paul Bonacio still now believed. Mm. You know, which is why I thought this case is so important because people need to understand that these are not people who are trying to tell a lie, who are making this up. People that suffer from this have suffered in ways that the rest of us can never even imagine in our worst nightmares. I cannot imagine what she endured for seven years every single day. I don't think I have that kind of strength. Like I will literally break and she didn't break. 
for the rest of her life, she has these lasting injuries that remind her of what happened to her. And she says like they're humiliating even to this day for her, you know, but she is still, you know, she still wants to continue her education, still help other people. Okay. So that's why like this story affected me so much. Like, if anybody want to learn more about this, I would really recommend um, this documentary is on YouTube. It's um, by um, 60 Minutes Australia. It's called Jenny's Army. And then the other documentary, if you want to learn more about DID, um, it's another documentary on YouTube by Met Circle. And it's called What It's Like to Live with Dissociative Identity Disorder. And in that documentary, I just want to quickly very touch on, um, in that documentary, like I said, um, they interview a woman named Insignia who has 11 different personalities. Insignia is co-conscious of five of the 11 personalities. And she described it as going into an, an amnesia state. She communicates with those personalities through her journal. Minnie is a three-year-old girl who is her most common personality. So, and this is how they describe it. If Minnie is nervous, she will be co-conscious with Minnie. So Insignia will be conscious that Minnie is trying to take over her body. She described it as, as, uh, as like holding her hand. But if Minnie feels completely comfortable, then, Insin then Insignia goes into amnesia state when Minnie takes over. And Insignia said that this used to be very scary because sometimes she'll be watching TV, then suddenly she comes to and she's in the middle of the street. And she said, and she had no idea what happened because, again, she went into an amnesia state and different personality took over. Hmm. Um, but she said it doesn't happen to her as much now because she no longer she's no longer in a traumatic situation like before. So um, you can't heal certain personalities. So you can decrease. You, I think you never get rid of all of them, but you can decrease some of the, um, not the primary ones, but I think some of the other personalities. Hmm. Um, and she also shared that one of her personalities, Devin, came out with a group of people and ended up having, having a boyfriend. And since she, Insignia, is not in this relationship, she had to share her body with Devin. So Devin would take over her body and go on a date. And she will have no idea what happened. She said she doesn't even know what that guy looks like. Wow. Yeah. I'm getting chills. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, I, I, I mean... You don't you don't create the personalities to hurt you though. Like these personalities are to help you. Right? No, and she said that reason that she's only conscious of five is because she wasn't conscious of the other ones until she got into therapy. So she's only able to access those memories when she's in therapy because they're so traumatic. And and once she gets over those traumatic memories, then she's mm. able to let go of certain some of her personalities. And like I actually think this is actually a really great documentary because in the end, Minnie came out. Like she let Minnie out on camera. And I have two kids who are both three year old certain time. This is a grown, I think she's in her thirties, grown woman. Her entire personality, the way she speaks, the way she looks, her gestures turned to a three year old. I thought I was watching, like, I was like, this is exactly sound like what my kids sound like a three year old old. And it was such a trip to watch a three year old woman not be able to pronounce words like certain big words because she's a three-year-old and she says things like how much she wants friends and she wants to go to playground and play but Insignia her mom won't let her out as much and Insignia when she came back again Insignia did say that one time her her friend went to a park and she let her out she let Minnie out so Insignia was Minnie um, and she said at the park the children 
were very quick to accept her. The kids were like, how old are you? And she was like, I'm three. And they're like, you're a really big three-year-old. But they accepted her and they played with her. She bought her toys, they'll play toys. But the parents are like, what the fuck is going on here? And I can't imagine as a parent, I'd be, me too, I'd be like, why is this like grown as an adult acting like a three-year-old with my kids? That's alarming. But luckily her friend was there. So her friend was able to explain. And then so she was able to play, but she said the other parents were wary. And I can't blame those parents. I will also be wary because you never see these kind of things. It's not common knowledge, mm. you know? And you'll be like, why is this person playing with my daughter? But I want to play one thing um, that Insignia said at the end of this documentary. What do you wish everyone knew about people with DID? I wish they like understood that they're, they're not just an alter. It's not just an alter ego. It's not something that we made up. You know, these are other actual people mm. with their own lives, mm. their own likes, dislikes, their, their own taste in music, their own like personalities in general. They, they all look different. They just share one body. Hmm. So it's, uh, I wish I could explain to everybody how these people aren't dangerous. People with DID are usually the people to have stuff happen to them. They're not the ones that are mm. going to turn into like psycho killers. Mm. That's a good point. That something traumatic has happened when they were young mm -hmm. and now they have DID as the consequence of that, mm -hmm. but now are being victimized in a certain way because of the stigma attached yeah. to it. And they were the ones who were originally attacked. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to come here and say everybody with DID are good and safe people. A lot of them have been through a lot of trauma. We all know people that have gone through a lot of trauma have a lot of issues and those issues can turn violent, can turn negative. But what we need to do is not to stigmatize this condition and to look at them with some understanding and with some compassion because again this only happens to people who have experienced enduring long-term extreme abuse torture and neglect that none of us normal people can even begin to understand so we just need to allow some grace and really like don't stigmatize people and really get to know people mm -hmm. yeah absolutely because it's it's a part of them um, and, and they're not, they're more than that. They're more than just the, their label and they're more than just that one piece of, of their life. Um, and just now looking up, um, Insinia, I'm looking at her Instagram and she is so talented at makeup. She's, yeah, I mean, she she's a, a beautiful, yeah. exactly. Her makeup channel. She's a beautiful speaker. She, she's incredibly talented, great teacher. So it's just very, very clear to me that she is um she's an advocate she in that and this is exactly what she wants she wants to teach she wants to bring out awareness um and i'm so glad that you shared both her story and uh, and jenny haynes because the the world needs to know <laughs> these are the stories that i think people should be focusing on and really trying to understand and, and learn from others especially when they're willing to share the story i mean how many people you know, are, are not, um, are not ready to share their story yet. So the fact that they are. Well, is, is... I think a lot of people aren't ready to share a story because they're afraid they won't be believed. Yes. We live in a culture. I mean, I'm so glad like with the Me Too movement, people are starting to open their eyes and start to, to see, but you know, like 
up until recently, how many rape victims were not believed or how much victim blaming was there? Mm-hmm. You know, like when someone gets raped, you hear, what were they wearing? Do they go out? Like, what were they doing? How is that their fault? Right. You know, even if I just walk out in my bra, my underwear, that does not give you the right to rape me. Correct. You know, we all have self-control. How is that the fault of the victim? So that's why I feel really passionate about these stories. Uh, and you can see with both of these stories, anything that involves children is just, it's horrifying. These are the most innocent lives. Their lives were robbed at a very early age. So that's why I think these stories are important to tell, especially, you know, learning from these stories, learning about what to do, learning about what not to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for the resources, Yan. Um, and we'll also link them down below. Um, and hopefully we can get to know um, more about Jenny Haynes and, and follow Insini on Instagram. Yes, I everybody would, go I would follow love her. To meet, yeah. yeah, one day maybe we'll meet them. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And next week, are you going to tell another story next week, Yvonne? Yes, I will tell okay. another story next week. Yvonne will tell another story next week, and it will be Halloween week. Yes, oh, it yeah. will be. Yay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We really appreciate your support for our little podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it will mean the world to us if you can leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. This will help more people discover our podcast. You can find Lost and Refound podcast on Instagram at lost.and.refound. If you want to email us, you can do so at lostandrefoundpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I hope you stay positive and creative. Bye.